0: And amen. Church, I hope you're prepared for God to do a work in your life today. My name is Monty. I'm one of the pastors here at Meadows. And again, like Rachel already said, got to say it again. Welcome home, especially if you're a first-time guest. Like I always say, you picked a great weekend to come to church because any weekend is a good weekend to be here. But this weekend in particular, we're going to go on a journey together. Okay, We're going to insert ourselves into a story in the Word of God that's one of the, the biggest events that's taken place. Okay? And, uh, well, I'll, go, I'll just tell you. I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Why do we have to mention cats all the time? Anyway, so uh, we're looking at Jesus coming on the scene to start his ministry. And when this happened, John the Baptist, his cousin, they say he prepared the way for Jesus. Um, how many of you, maybe have prepared for a big event in your life. Like, think of a big event that goes on. What about, what about these gender reveals? They're getting kind of out of control, aren't they? I mean, it's odd. how many of you been a part of a gender reveal party? Okay, a few of you. Have they got? Did you did you blow something up? You did. Okay, then it was a real one. Okay, you got to use dynamite, gunpowder, AK-47s, and possibly start a prairie fire. That, that's a gender reveal. Nothing else counts. I don't care what anybody says. I so side note. I have. Uh, I have weird thoughts sometimes. God's working on me. And I thought I'd want to prepare one for somebody. And I, it'd be somebody that had a lot of money. And they'd come to me and be like, we want to do the best gender reveal party ever. Like, we want to be, we want to beat everybody else and one-up everybody that's ever done one. So we're going to rent a boat. And we're going to bring all our friends and our family on the boat. And we're going to have a huge balloon. Okay, you're, you're tracking? And the balloon's going to float up in the sky. And then we're going to get out the AK-47s. Because, again, you got to have those. And we're going to shoot it. And I'd help them prepare, only when I did it, this is where it gets fun. When I did it, when I prepared the balloon, I wouldn't put pink or blue powder in it, but I'd put green, okay? Why? Because I'm a jerk. That's why. So so I'd put green in it, so when they brought it out there, and it rose up into the sky, and they got out there, it 47, and they shot it, and they start to celebrate because they're not even paying attention. And all of a sudden, they're like, wait, it's green. And they're looking, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I'm like, I don't know. What is it? Maybe you're having an alien. Maybe that's what it means, okay? I don't know. But I just... Anyway, so pray for your pastor. These are the thoughts I have during the week. Um, Big events are big, right? The event, Mark Mark pulls no punches, the gospel of Mark we're going to look at. So the event, Jesus coming on the scene, it's huge. And one reason is, is because Jesus is 30 years old at the time that he comes on the scene to start his ministry, right? Three years of being this most influential person in the world. And, and But before that, we, have, we, we, don't, we don't have any record. Like we have Jesus as a baby, right? But, but John doesn't, or, or Mark doesn't start with that. Mark starts with the ministry. Mark says, Luke, Matthew, you guys can write about Jesus, you know, eight pound, six ounce little baby Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes. I ain't worried about it. Lay him in a manger. Oh, he's so cute. At least I would think Jesus was cute. Wouldn't you think? His biological dad is God, okay? I'm just, I'm going, but not all babies are cute. I'll say that too. I know you think your baby's cute. I'm sure he or she is, because we, as a parent, can't acknowledge our kid isn't cute. So we, it's just something God does. But I'm here to tell you, not all babies are cute. And I'll get, this is for free. I'll tell you how you know your baby isn't cute. Okay? I'm sorry if if this is your baby, but if <laughs> if someone looks at your baby and they're like, oh. Oh, and they're, they're like pausing and thinking of something to say. That's your first indicator. Your second indicator is if they're like, oh, oh, uh, he, it's a he, right? He, he's so, uh, little. Okay. That's bad. That's bad. Cause all babies are little. So that means nothing. That means your kid isn't cute. So, um, Jesus would have been a cute kid, but Mark didn't care about that. Mark starts at the ministry. In fact, there's only one story in the whole Word of God between Jesus being a a toddler a baby and being 30 years old. One story. It's in Luke. Jesus is 12 years old. And it's kind of comical because Mary and Joseph take Jesus to Jerusalem for a Passover festival. So they travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem, three, four-day hike. And they go there, and they lose their kid. They lose the son of God. Okay, that's bad. You ever lost your kid? No one will admit it, will you? See, I yeah, you. Thank God for your faith. I mean, for your honesty and your faith. Uh, so I I remember Ava. I don't know if mom was with me or not, but but I remember being. I don't know what what place it was. You talk about the walk of shame. When the, when when over the loudspeaker you hear this, psh, with the parents of Ava Gannon. Come to customer service. We have your child. It's like, oh, my God. You know, the parents are looking at you like you're the worst parent in the world. Don't act like you've never lost your kid, all right? So, but Jesus, it wasn't just a few hours, okay? They, they left Jerusalem to go back, and after a day journey, they realize, where's our kid? We, we don't have Jesus. And they're looking around, and they're, so they go back to Jerusalem to look. You know how long it took them? Three days, Three, like Spongebob would say, three days later, they find Jesus. And, and here's what it says. It says, the parents didn't know what to think. Mom was mad. Son, why have you done this? Your father, Joseph, and I, we've been searching frantically for you everywhere. And Jesus is like, you, you know, why'd you need to search? Didn't you know I must be at my father's house? And, of course, they were confused, but they didn't get what he meant. Mary's thinking, your father's house, your, your dad's right here. And she's like, oh, your real, Dad. Oh, I get it. Yeah, it's his weekend, whatever. So, but they didn't know. They, so Jesus, 12 years old, they lose their kid. So, but now he's not 12 anymore. He's 30 years old. And in the word of God, in the, in the gospel of Mark, you can read Mark 1.1. 1, 1. That's where we, we, we begin our journey. By the way, turn to your neighbor and say, prepare the way. Ask your neighbor, prepare the way. See, that's the title of today's message. And what I want you to know is God is preparing something for you. God is preparing something for you, possibly, probably bigger than you anticipate. He's always doing a work in your life. It's one of the reasons He brought you here. It's one of the reasons that you clicked online to listen to the message. God is preparing to. He wants to do something supernatural. This is the good news. This is how Mark starts. This is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark pulls no punches. He's like, I got good news. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. It's like, Mark, wow, you're hitting us uh, right out the gate. He says, uh, it, it began just as the prophet Isaiah had wrote. So 700 years earlier in the Old Testament, Isaiah wrote about this, this event. He wrote about John the Baptist talking about this. He wrote about Jesus. Listen to what he says. In Isaiah, it says this. Look, I'm sending my messenger, John the Baptist. I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. He's a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way. The Lord is coming. Clear the road for him. So so John and Jesus were cousins, right? John was six months older than Jesus, and and, and John's job was to prepare the way for the Messiah. So in verse 4, it says, this messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness, and he preached that the people should be baptized, Okay. We're talking about that a lot lately because that's coming up next weekend, and some of you, that's going to be your next step. Should be baptized to show they had turned from their sin and turned to God for forgiveness. All of Judea, all of the area, okay, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. They were they when they confessed their sins to John, he'd baptize them right there in the Jordan River. That's what he would do. His clothes, John was a bit weird. His clothes were woven with camel hair, and he wore a leather belt. So he wasn't in the in crowd, I think we can say that. And, not, and, and if his wardrobe doesn't convince you he wasn't in the in crowd, his diet will. Because, because John had a habit of e- eating locusts, okay, that's basically grasshoppers, and uh, wild honey. That was his diet. John announced someone's coming soon. He's way, way bigger than me. He's greater than I am. So much greater, greater that I'm not worthy to even stoop down like a slave and untie this guy's sandal straps. See, I baptize you with fire, or excuse me, I baptize you with water, John says, but he, he'll he baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I'll, I'll explain what that means in a minute. But i got to get to the main point. When it comes to baptism, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot, I mean, it depends on how you were raised, what you were taught. So at Meadows, if you're new, we preach pretty boldly out of the Word of God. And everything that we see in the word of God that God says to do, we really try to get behind it. Because it's never, I've proven it wrong, it's never proven me wrong. So, he taught baptism, what John said, what we just read is baptism, it shows I've turned from something, from my sin, from all the mess ups that I do, and I've turned to something better. That's God. I've turned from my sin to my God for what? For forgiveness. So, baptism is this declaration. It's, baptism doesn't save you. Okay, a relationship with Jesus Christ saves you. Baptism is showing, okay, Jesus lives in me now. I'm not living this way anymore. I don't want that anymore. I want this. I want something better. And, I, and I'm doing it because God's going to forgive me. He's a forgiving God. When I call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he forgives me. So baptism, this is what it shows. And you might be thinking, well, how do we know? How do I know that I'm really, I really turned from, from something and turned to something better? So, so Luke addresses it. The Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are beautiful. They, they all tell a story from a different lens, and so what you don 't hear in mark luke will, will, will get so Luke captures uh, how do we know so understand something about John the Baptist really quick. He was not eloquent, he was not uh, graceful, probably in his speaking. Tons of people came to listen to him. He had huge crowds, people thought he was a lot of people thought he was uh, uh, the Messiah himself but but John. Okay, he didn't, he didn't start with an icebreaker. He didn't start with how much Jesus loves you. He didn't start with any of that. There was no, like, cute story to build rapport with the crowd. Okay? Listen to how he starts in Luke. I mean, this is insane. So John, John says, it says, when the crowds came to, for jo- to John the baptizer, they came to him. Here's what John said. You brood of snakes! Okay, all right, John. If you were, like, the assistant to John the Baptist, wouldn't you walk up and say, John, you know, I know that you're, this is your crowd. You're the messenger. You're preparing the way here. They're, they're here to listen to you. But I don't know if we're going to build your following, your Instagram account, if we keep calling people snakes. Okay? I don't know if we're going to do it. But here's the thing about John. John didn't care about being popular. He didn't at all. One of the reasons he separated himself from the people and lived in the wilderness is because he didn't want that impression. He didn't want that influence. He wanted to be different. He knew he was called to be different. And so are you. John didn't care about being popular. What John cared about was being faithful. Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. So, John is being faithful. He's preparing the way. And here's what he says to the brood of snakes. By the way, he's talking to the religious people. Here's what he says. Prove. Prove, by the way, that you live that you've turned from, God, turned from your sin and turned to God. Prove it. Okay? Prove you've repented. That's another word for turning from. Don't just say it. Don't just say you're safe because you're a Jew, because Abraham is your father, or you're a descendant of his. He said that means nothing. Because to a Jew, that meant everything. Understand that. To be a Jew, to be a descendant of Abraham, that was a golden ticket. You're better than everybody else. You're more religious than everybody else. God loves you more than anybody else. And you basically have the the, the sweet road that leads to life. But but John is saying, no, you don't. It means nothing. God can create children of Abraham from these stones. In other words, it doesn't matter what your parents believed. It doesn't matter uh, how many scriptures you memorized. It's your decision. Say it's my decision. It's your decision. This is why baptism, again, it's, it's confusing because there's so many different beliefs out there. But, but it's really clear that, that it's our decision. No one else can do it for you. Just because your mom and dad love Jesus doesn't automatically mean that you do. Right? It's, it's, so that's why, and I always say if you were baptized as a baby, that's fine. I was too. But one thing I know about that, that wasn't your decision. It was your parents' decision. So that's why we we baptize when people are old enough to make the decision. Why? Because every example in the word of God is that. Jesus himself, you'll you'll hear this shortly, Jesus was baptized as an adult. So that's why we do that. So because it's you making the decision, you have to understand what it means. So the crowds asked, they said, well, what should we do? I, I like that. It's like, what do we do if we're supposed to turn and turn? What do we do? John says, well, here. Do this. Live like Jesus taught you to live. In other words, or like he's going to teach you to live. If you got two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. In other words, give to those in need. Care for those who don't have what you have. Even the corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized. I love that. Teacher, what do we do? Again, John the Baptist says, be honest because they had a reputation for not being honest he said show your honesty collect no more taxes than the government requires change your ways don't do what you used to do turn from your sin and turn to God and prove it by the way that you live and and, and John would John would be adamant and he didn't want him to wait right because he knew that most of the time mo- when you say later be honest oh, I'll do it later most of the time later becomes never doesn't it so Mark, in Mark's gospel, Mark is the most concise gospel of all four. It's the shortest. Mark uses the word immediately 41 times in his gospel. Like he cuts to the chase. You know why his gospel is so short? It's because he didn't record everything Jesus said. What he was focused on is what Jesus was doing. So he was recording what Jesus was doing in the gospel of Mark. And, and this is why I always tell you, um, it doesn't matter what we declare at the end of the day, does it? It matters what we demonstrate. It matters what we do. And, and you hear that from me all the time. <laughs> um, I've been painting um, our house, the, the inside of our house. And uh, it's been a bit of process, okay? So I, I, I finished the whole main level, and uh, uh, I've been moving up the stairs to kind of the upper level. And I got to the entryway of the, up, of the top, and I kind of just said, you know what, I'm going to take a break i'm gonna take a break and i said jody i'll pick it up in a couple weeks or whatever she's like oh yeah that'd be great sweetie because if you pick it up you know and you finish it we can get rid of all that crap and no one's tripping over it the ladders and the paint and all that i said yeah i'll get on that two weeks later i'm like you know i think in maybe a week or two i'm gonna get after that jody i'm gonna i'm gonna paint right there finish that up and get that done she's like yeah yeah sweetie i think that'd be i think that'd be good you know you, you get that done and we pick this stuff up and it looks much better it looks much more clean i'm like yeah, yeah. about two months later i was like you know I think I'm going to really get after this. She's like, do it! I'm like, okay, all right. So, I mean, eventually you've got to move. Eventually you've got to do it. I wrote this down. Uh, and and, uh, Let me me set this up a little bit. Demonstration. um, Action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So we can declare all the faith we want, but unless we move on it, it doesn't matter. And to move, to, to move away from something and move towards something, like we're talking about, from sin and to sin, you have to recognize that sin is there. Like, you, you, you're not going to turn from something if you don't know there's something to turn from. Does that make sense? In other words, if there, there's no conviction now let me, let me change that. There's no conversion without conviction. So you've got you've to be convicted of something. If you don't recognize it, you're not going to need... If if you don't know you're drowning, you're not going to reach out for help. If you don't know that you need to be saved, you're not going to reach out for a Savior. Does that make sense? About a month ago, I left the the, uh, car wash. I turned down after I got out, and I hit a pothole. It it was about the size of Argentina. So the reason I hit it, it, well, I didn't see it. I don't know how I could miss it. Obviously, I was sleeping at the wheel. So I hit it, but I didn't turn from it because I didn't recognize it. I didn't acknowledge it was there. Okay? They about had to call search and rescue to pull my car out. But anyway, so again, if you don't recognize it, you're not gonna know to turn from it. And that is so huge that we know that. That's why I tell people we're a church where it's okay to not be okay. I see people, oh, I gotta put on my mask, I gotta, I gotta play the game, I, I can't go, I can't pray with anybody because they might know something's wrong. We already know something's wrong. Okay? I'm your pastor and there's something wrong. Okay? It's a, turn to somebody and say, I'm not okay. Just admit it. I'm not they already know you're not okay, just tell them. Tell him you're not okay. You're worse though. But anyway, so uh, if you're watching online, type in the comments, I'm not okay. Look up here. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And you're, you're like, oh, you're the pastor. You know, I'm sure everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. It might, it might look fine on the outside, but, but let me tell you, deep down, I can't remember any of my passwords. None of them. Okay, Zero. I don't get. It's the hardest thing in the world. Well, you just need to. You just need to put them in a journal and then put the journal on a safe. Okay, listen. I didn't ask for your advice. All right. I've tried the journal. I can't find that either. So, what makes me so mad about passwords is every website is different. It's like okay, big characters, little characters, special characters, and then they don't tell you what they need. So if I type it in wrong, it doesn't tell me. Hey, we need this or that. It doesn't say anything. I'm like, give me some. Tell me, is there a special character? Is there large caps, small caps, mid caps? Does it include my grandmother's best friend's sister's first pet's favorite color? I don't care. So I'm not okay. I think you know that. I'm convinced I'm not okay. The closer I get to God, the more I know that I'm not okay. The more that I read the word of God, the more that I know that I need God more than ever. So I tell, That's why I beg you, get in the word of God. It is, it is so beautiful, but it's convicting. It, it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it will challenge you. Uh, and, and understand this. The word of God never returns void. you know that? There's always a decision that you make when you read the word of God. Always. And you may be like, wait a minute. I've read the word of God and shut it and done nothing. You made a decision. That was action. Your inaction was action. Right? The word, it never returns void. See, you can read it and you can maybe, maybe you can um, resist it. See, some of you, you're, you're getting a message from the word of God today. Some of you, you're, God, the devil wants you to resist it. I guarantee you. You could resist it, You could um, resent it, get mad about the Word of God because of the way it reflects on your life, or you could repent in light of it, turn from your sin and turn to God and allow God to do a work in your life. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. When you read it and you do what the Lord says, your life will change. But, But the decision, a decision is just that. It's just a decision. God wants you to back a decision up with action. That's what he wants you to do. The, the biggest threat to the church today, you know what it is? I'll tell you. It, it isn't the government. It isn't. It isn't. Hello, is that, if that's God, you can answer it. If it's not, you better hang that up right now. Okay, I'm just kidding. So, it isn't the government, is it? Don't lie to me, I'm a pastor. <laughs> it isn't the government. That's not the biggest threat. The biggest threat aren't the Democrats. Just cut real quiet in here. Uh, anyway, the, the biggest threat aren't the Republicans. The biggest threat is the independence. It's like, real seriously, biggest I, you know what I'm saying? No, the, the, the independence aren't the biggest threat. The biggest threat to the church are people. People that have made a decision about Jesus, but they're not following him. That's the biggest threat. Scariest thing out there. Oh, the, my, my post will show you that the Lord, the Lord is, he's, he's got it all. He's Lord over all. He's just not Lord over your life. Oh, I'll tell people, you know, Jesus is, my, Jesus is, my, Jesus is our, our Savior. He's going to save us. But you're not allowing him to save you. This is, this is so huge. That's a threat. That's, that's the devil working. Oh, God's in control. He's just not in control of your life. Or my life, if I don't let him. Making a decision about Jesus is not the same as following him. That is a fact. I know a lot of people, they made a decision about who Jesus is. They are far from him. Their life doesn't reflect him, the way they live, the way they love, the way they talk, the way they act. Nothing. Oh, by the way, that was me for most of my life. That's how I know that so much. That's how I lived. I've always believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have not always followed him. I promise you that. The devil believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's never followed him. So when you follow Jesus, and this is how you know, when when you turn from this, the sin, right, the stuff that you know is jacked up, but you keep doing it, and you turn to the Lord, you'll change. That's how you know because you're changing. Now now understand something. You might not you, you probably won't change immediately. It probably it may not happen in the first 10 minutes. Okay? But I promise you, eventually if you keep seeking him, if you keep following Jesus, eventually you'll change. Eventually you'll start to act differently. You will, I promise. Eventually, you'll start to live differently. Eventually, you'll start to love differently. Why? Because Jesus Christ changes everybody he meets. It's what he's in the business of doing. It's what he does. But you got to follow. you got to want it. Oh, he's wanting to draw you in. He is preparing a way for you. He is preparing today. Today, he's preparing a way for you. So, baptisms. Next weekend at Nebraska Christian College, What we do when people say, hey, I want to get baptized, we send them some questions and they answer them and they send them back to us so we get to hear some of their story about what God's done and and why they want to get baptized and and, and when they made a decision for Christ. So I get the privilege of reading through them. So this week, I'm reading through some of them and and, and I I run across this one, and this is what it said. Remember the main point. We show it by, by turning from here to here. Following Jesus has changed my life, he said, in such a huge way. Listen to this next sentence. I have completely made a 180. I've completely made a 180. You know what a 180 is, right? It's, it is the exact opposite way. I'm no longer that super negative person I used to be. I'm no longer depressed. I'm no longer lonely. God has blessed me in so many ways. I can't wait to see what he'll do for me after baptism. So, so this, guy, yeah, he is changing. He's changing. That's how you know. That's how you know that you're turning from something to something. That's beautiful. He's far from where he wants to be. But he knows he's being changed because he keeps seeking Jesus. And and what he says at the end, well, wait till what Jesus says after I get baptized. I I almost don't want to tell him. but (laughs) Because when you get baptized, you're making a declaration. So yes, it's awesome. Yes, it's beautiful. And yes, you should do it. But know that you're making a declaration to not just the physical world, but a spiritual realm. And when you do that, you get the attention of a lot of spiritual entities, good and bad. And, 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 and I take it all day long. I'll take it all day long. Because I want, I want to declare my love and allegiance to the Lord. But, but, but I never sugarcoat it. I tell people, when you make a declaration like that, and you get bold, and it's your decision, you're going to face some opposition. There, you know, it's not going to be just smooth sailing after you come up out of the water. Like, ah, the rest of my life is just going to be great. No, it's going to be, hard. Ah, that's hard. That's hard to do. So it's, 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 it's not easy, but it's beautiful. Can I show you how beautiful it is? Jesus modeled it for us. If we continue down this journey in the gospel of Mark, Mark 1, one day Jesus, remember, John's prepared the way, and here's the day. Jesus shows up on the scene from Nazareth in Galilee, and John, his cousin, baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, so, pause. One of the reasons that we do immersion, you know, is because it, it sure seems like Jesus was immersed, but we're not legalistic about it, and neither is God. So don't get too caught up. I baptize people by sprinkling them. I baptize people by pouring water over them. So I don't think you're going to get to heaven, you know, meet Jesus at the judgment day or whatever, and he's like, you know what? Weren't you sprinkled? Nah, I don't. You know, he hits a button, <laughs> down you go. No, doesn't happen like that. It it doesn't matter. But we, we want to model the word of God the best we can. And that's what Jesus, he comes up out of the water, it says. And look at this beautiful picture. He sees heaven splitting apart. And the Holy Spirit, who is God, descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, who is God, the Father, says, You are my dearly loved son. You are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. A picture of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, in the same scene. It is a beautiful thing. And you know, they're different, but yet they're God. They're doing, one is descending, one is coming up, and one is speaking. And the one speaking, the Father is saying, you're my son, I, I love you. And I wonder if Jesus was like, but Dad, I've, I've done nothing. In fact, I, I dished my parents when I was 12, but remember, but you still love me? He's like, yeah. I haven't walked on water yet. He's like, I know. I haven't healed anybody at all. I haven't taught one message. I haven't raised anybody from the dead. I haven't, I haven't brought people into, into my home. I've done nothing. And God's like, you don't have to do anything. It's not about what you do. It's who you are. And Jesus looks at you today, despite your mess, despite where you were last night, despite what you did last week, despite who you hurt. And he says, you know what? You're my child. You bring me great joy. You, the, the, what, why I say that is I wrote it down. Maybe this was for me more than you. You don't have to earn it. People, I, I've heard somebody say, I can't get baptized. I'm, I, I'm not there. I'm not religious enough. And I'm like, okay, we're not a religious organization. Do you know who John was calling a brood of snakes? The religious people. That's who he was calling a brood of snakes. Because you play the game on the outside, but you don't live it on the inside. That's, that, that was the problem he had with it. It has nothing to do with religion. You can't earn it. You just need to receive it. It's not about doing more good. It's about knowing the Son of God. This is the difference. This is our faith, and it's so different. And let's look up here. There are people here today, you, many of you, you are struggling. You are hurting. You keep trying to climb out of this hole that you're in, in whatever area it is, and the more that you try, the more upset it is and the more frustrating it is because the more you slide back down in a pit and you keep saying, I got to get there, I got to get there, I got to get there, I can't get there. And it is, it is demoralizing, it is painful, it is scary, it brings fear, and you're living in it. And you don't have to. This is my son, with uh, you bring me great joy. You're worn out. You're worn out and God says, you don't need to live that way anymore. This works religion is what I would call it. It's how I grew up in my head thinking. i got to earn it. If I'm good, I'm going to go up the ladder. I'm going to get better. I'm gonna God, I'm going to get towards you. The problem was I'd always mess up, and I'd always go back down the ladder, and I could never do it, and finally I'm like, I give up. I can't do it. That's, that's called works religion. Do you know people will say, Pastor, there's so many religions, thousands of religions in the world, but you think you've got the one that's right. All I can tell you is this. I've studied other religions. I've gone to school for it. Every other religion that, I, that I've studied is works-based. It's not based on what God's going to do. It's based on what you do. I'll give you a picture. Buddhism. Buddhism says you can save yourself by ceasing all desire. Okay? Try that. Good luck with that. I mean, ceasing all desire. Confuciusism, which I think that's a word I made up, but Confuciusism. You can save yourself through education, reflection, self-cultivation, and moral living. You can do it. And if you do, you can get to where, where you're supposed to be. Taoism. You can save yourself by aligning with the Tao. Not, not the Tao Jones, okay? D-A-O. But some people, the Tao Jones is their god. By aligning with the Tao and have peace and harmony in and around you. Hinduism. Huge religion. You can save yourself by separating from your ego and living in unity with the divine life force. That's what it says. And then paying back your karmic debt through suffering and successive lives of reincarnation. That sounds miserable. But that's what what they believe. Islam. You can save yourself by living a good life and having good deeds according to the Quran. Orthodox Judaism. That would say you can save yourself by living a good moral life according to the Old Testament laws. And then when you break the laws, you confess, and then you're good again. New ageism. That's a big one that seems to float around a lot. You can save yourself by living as part of a divine oneness in harmony with the divine life force that flows through all creation. Akunamatata. Matata. You know what I'm saying? My story. Monty, you can save yourself Just keep doing what you're supposed to do and don't mess up anymore. There's a problem, God. I can't stop messing up. Crying out in drug addiction, miserable. I remember screaming, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, over and over. I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I'm hurting people, I'm lying to people. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't. Screaming, God, I can't. He's like, I know. That's why I send Jesus. He can. Oh, and he did. All those things say that. You can save yourself. You know what the word of God says? The the belief that is in his word? God saves you. God saved you by his grace. When you believe, you can't take credit for this. This is in the Word of God. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. See, you can't earn it. You don't have to earn it. You just need to receive it and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. God is preparing a way. And when you, when you, when you know the one who created you and know that he's greater than anything that you've ever been through or are going through, you sell off to that, you turn from your way, you turn to his way, your world will never be the same. Ever. Three recorded occasions in the word of God where the Trinity were, well, not the Trinity, but where the Father speaks audibly from heaven. You know that? You heard one of them, the baptism of his son. Got God pretty excited. He spoke audibly. Two other times he did it. One was at the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus brought his purpose group, right? Peter, James, and John. They're up at a mountain. Jesus does some crazy stuff, and the Father speaks from heaven. The third time is a week before Christ would go to the cross. The Father speak from heaven. Je- so the cross is huge. The cross is, remember how I said, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're thinking to yourself, I can't do it. I've tried. I've been there. I've done that. That's why I'm worn out. That's why I'm miserable. That's why I'm tired. That's why I'm messed up. You don't have to do it anymore. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. This was, this is what separates Christianity from all the other ones I just read off to you. This is it. That we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, like God said in his word. We believe that the baptism that happened, it was real. And Jesus didn't get baptized because he had to turn from sin. He never sinned. So why did he get baptized? He's modeling for you and I how to live the life that he purposed and planned. He's also inaugurating his ministry saying, you know what? Here we go. Three years of rocking it. And he's been changing the world ever since. But at the end of the three years, it was, it was dismal for a while. He'd go to the cross, and he dies. He dies on a cross. You thought you were saved because you were gonna, had to be good? Wrong. Good people don't go to heaven. Yeah. Saved people go to heaven. Well, how am I saved? Remember what Ephesians said? We are saved by God's grace through our faith. When we believe that this cross that I'm talking about is real. That Christ was on it and he died on it. What a day. What a dark day it seemed like. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ I'm giving you, by the way. You know the word gospel? It literally means good news. That's, what, that's all it means. When you hear gospel, think good news. Well, well, pastor, I'm confused. You just said Jesus is dead on a cross. How's that good? That's the gospel. It is. Let's continue. See, the Gospel, what I want you to know, is the Gospel isn't some discussion, it's not a suggestion, it's not even a debate. The Gospel is a declaration. It is an announcement that the Kingdom of Heaven has come, that hope is alive. Why? Because three days later, the tomb was empty and Jesus Christ was alive. That's the reason we have hope. That's why you should shout for joy. That's why we praise Jesus. It's not about what you can't do it. Christ already did. He did it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Will you sell out to it? Call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Once you do that, baptism is your next step. Christ lives in me. I'm going to be turning from my sin and turning towards him. Oh, you are? Well, you should tell people. You should show people. You should declare it. God likes that. That's what baptism is. That's why Jesus modeled it for us. It's amazing. It all starts with the decision, right? Right? Decisions that we make today will change the direction of our life forever. It's huge. What you do with the Word of God today that you hear, it, it, it determines everything about your life. Everything. That's why I'm begging you. God is preparing something for you. It's big, bigger than you know. All you need to do is, is do what he's calling you to do today. You don't need to see way down there because that's going to be overwhelming. What's he doing right here? For some of you, it is baptism, Guaranteed guaranteed never been baptized as an adult or someone old enough to do that and you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that's your next step I guarantee you Uh, and by the way I'm so proud of this church I gotta brag on you I've I've not seen more next steps taken in the history of our young three and a half almost four years than I've saw over the last month month and a half it's insane like I, I know the Holy Spirit is on fire in so many of you I mean, so many people stepping in to, to giving. So many people stepping into dream teams, serving. So many people getting into life groups, purpose groups. Celebrate recovery. It's amazing. <laughs> celebrate recovery starts on Wednesday. Hurts, habits, hang-ups, so you can get set free. Put celebrate recovery on your card. Put it in comments if you're still interested. It'll change your life. Baptism will change your life. It's, 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 it's what this message is about. Remember when Jesus says, remember when John said, I baptize you with water, but Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit? You know what that means? It means Jesus saves you. When you're saved, when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in the death and resurrection, when, when, when you say, God, I want I to want turn. I want you to enter into me. Forgive me. Make me new. I'm bad. You're good. Help me. When you do that, you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is baptism with the Holy Spirit. And then water baptism is a declaration that you've done that. This is so crazy. So real quick, let me show you a picture. I love showing you a tangible picture of what it looks like just to just to help you see it and life change of the old being gone. Think about it when they go down in the water. Okay, this, this is me, I don't wanna do that anymore. Be gone. Be gone pornography, be gone addiction, be gone lies, be gone deceit, be gone, I don't want you. And I'm going to come up and I'm going to turn towards what God wants in my life. Goodness, purity, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Get a picture of that right now. Just watch, check this out really quick. I want to get baptized today. Finding faith in Jesus and knowing how much he loves me very much. I'm making a change for the better. I've been saved, actually, to be honest. I want to do this because I want the old me to be gone. I want to have a fresh start. Something's missing. I just, internally, I know I need more. and I just want to show all that dedication to the Father. I think this really just serves as my open acceptance of jesus's invitation to fulfill my purpose i want to get baptized because i want to be blessed by jesus and i want others to know that i'm on his team i said are you ready Back, can't you? I mean, come on. I need to hear somebody. Everything is different now. What John the Baptist started, Jesus finished. What John prepared, Jesus Christ fulfilled. Jesus Christ wasn't just some prophet in a long line of prophets. No, no, no. Jesus Christ was the end of the line. Okay, other prophets pointed people to God. Jesus Christ, he is the son of God. He is the savior of the world. He is the answer that you've been waiting for. He is the one that you need in your life. He is the one that wants to set you free. He wants to be your everything. He does. What's your next step? If it's baptism, there's a sign up right out there. We're baptizing next weekend at Nebraska Christian College, 10 o'clock is the service and afterwards is baptism. If it's celebrate recovery, write it on your card. If it's some other next step cuz that's those are two of many. The Holy Spirit will tell you, ask him right now as I pray for you. My my heart is always this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? He speaks to you through his the word of God has gone forth. The gospel has gone forth. For some of you, it is surrendering your life to Christ. Online, listen to me. T- text "I choose Jesus" one word to four seven four seven four seven. Please, if the Holy Spirit is prompting that, I do it. In the room, mark the card, the connect card, so we can love you and walk with you and celebrate with you. What is your next step? This is, a, we're a church, we can't just come and sit. We won't, we, we will not be that church. We will take kingdom ground. We will take next steps. We'll never stop, we'll never stop growing. The moment we stop growing is the moment we stop dying. The moment we don't take a next step is the moment it's over. We all have a next step. So I'm going to pray, and then, and then, uh, I'm going to have you guys pray together. Don't freak out. Don't run out of the room. You're just going to turn to some people that you know. If you came by yourself, we're a family. You're not by yourself anymore. I promise you. Just turn to your group or turn to your row or turn behind front of you. I don't care. And just pray for a few minutes together. Don't You don't need to get all elaborate and whatever. There's always one weird person. Well, let's just, okay, don't be weird. So, um, And the prayer team, they'll be hanging out here, walking through the rows. If you need them, call them over. They'll guide you, whatever. I love you. I love being your pastor. If I shared my entire heart of the joy that I have about what God is doing in and through you, you're the church, by the way. We'd be here a long time. Jesus Christ changes lives. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I believe wholeheartedly that, that you brought us here because you're preparing a way. Like John would prepare a way for the, for the king of kings to come onto the scene and change the world. And he's still changing lives 2,000 years later. God, you're doing something in us. Holy Spirit, I would ask that you would speak to everybody individually and on purpose. You, you tell them the next step to take. If they do that, their world will never be the same. And like we said... We don't want to just declare it. We want to demonstrate it. We're not just going to talk about turning from something. We want to turn from it, turn to God, and watch what you do in our life. Father, we thank you for Jesus. He is the center of your church. He is the center of our faith. The event of the resurrection, it is, it is pivotal to what we believe, that he was dead, but he is no longer dead. And today he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he has sent his Holy Spirit to minister throughout the world as he's doing right now. Father, have your way. We'll never stop shouting praise in your name. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.